0: Glad you're with us. Loaded up today. Um, now, some good news later in the program today uh, about General Flynn. Well, bad news on the one hand. I mean, it is one of the uh, worst miscarriages of justice in modern times. An innocent man, unfairly targeted by the FBI, wrongfully prosecuted by the special counsel, uh, ends up, as after serving his country, 33 years. 33 years, including war zones, uh, ends up losing his house, they threatened his son, they never thought he was lying, so they made him sign something admitting to that which they never thought he even did. And all remember all that Brady material, all that information that uh, Sidney Powell was fighting for? Yeah, we're beginning to get it now, and all of it exculpatory, meaning he's an innocent man. Anyway, Sidney Powell will join us today. How do we reopen? How do we reopen safely? We'll get to that. We're going to take a look at what Israel is doing on this. Um, Israel is in many ways ahead of the curve, but in other ways, we always have to be careful because we have a different constitutional system with protections, etc. So we will get to all of that. We'll get to the mob, the media, as corrupt as they've ever been. They're even worse uh, almost on a daily basis now the latest we see this as it relates to tara reed and you know if you, if you think by the way it's been more than a month and you have a staffer for joe biden her name is tara reed uh and she came out with an accused uh this is it's so graphic i can't say it on t- on radio or tv uh the democratic presidential non- nominee joe biden of a real sexual assault you probably wouldn't even know it If you only watched ABC, CBS, fake news, CNN and conspiracy TV, MSDNC, all of which are extensions of the modern, extreme Democratic Socialist Party. And they're getting more they're getting more psychotic, more rage filled every second minute hour of the day, because in 189 days you become the ultimate jury and you get to go out and you get to vote for for the next president. And it is, sure, this pandemic has had an impact on the entire race. I say this every four years, actually every two years, but just for the sake of presidential elections every four years, is that I warn people before I go away for Christmas break, when we come back, just buckle up. It's going to be rocky. It's always There's always these bumps in the road, election years, unpredictable events, things that happen, charges made, October surprises. And you don't know until you know, which is we can now project. And even then, sometimes like in 2000, you don't know whether they projected right. That so-and-so, hopefully in this case, that uh, Donald Trump has been re-elected 45th president of the in- United States. It is not a fait accompli. You will have the biggest contributor to Joe Biden's election. That is going to be the mob of the media. This is who they are. This defines them. They are, they are nothing but the press office. And this is the 99% of the mob. And I think they've convinced themselves that we, the people, are really smelly, Walmart, Trump-supporting shoppers. And we cling to our God, guns, Bibles, and religions, and uh, religion, and our faith, and Jesus, and uh, we're awful people. Um, What was the phrase that Joe Biden used recently? I forgot. I'm having a Joe Biden moment. Maybe today's Super Thursday. Who knows? Um, and that is that they just they think we don't know any better they think that they're smarter and they they feel the ends justifies the means there's no amount of feigned selective moral outrage or hypocrisy that they won't take on to get to this point we've already seen this with joe biden we see joe biden all of a sudden they want to impeach trump why over a phone call with the ukrainian president Zelensky? What did the president say on the phone call? Pretty much nothing. Just get your act together and we don't need you hanging around with these other corrupt people. We end up in an impeachment and we keep hearing about quid and pros and quos and and how awful. And this was a quid pro quo. We end up the entire shift show, if you recall, while the president ended up in the process of all this 10 days after the first coronavirus case identified in the U.S., Puts the travel ban that's racist and xenophobic and hysterical and, and a bunch of fearmongering in place. Yeah, they were in the middle of the Schiff show, and oh, outrageously by the way, Adam Schiff is out there now. Now he's actually saying, "Had we impeached him, none of this would have happened. We had fifty thousand people would have lived." That's how corrupt they are. But but remember, they ignored quid pro quo. Joe, he's on tape bragging. Yeah, I told Ukraine, hey, uh, you're not getting the billion. You don't believe me? Call Obama. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said. I said call him.
1: Yeah. I, said, I said I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think
2: it
3: was what six hours. I look. I said I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a! <laughs> got fired.
0: They told us. No, no no, credible person believes there's anything wrong with that. That's how corrupt they are. That's what liars they are. That's what hacks they are. It is, Um. I, I, I mean, it's a level of madness that's almost hard to absorb and comprehend. But it's there. It exists. It's real. They're agenda driven. They hate this president. They think they're doing God's will every step of the way. And uh, you know you there's you know I have simple questions for people. Is there anything that, in retrospect, was it right for the president to put the travel ban in effect? Was it right for the first time in decades, fifty plus years, to have the quarantine in effect? Was it right for the president to have the subsequent travel bans? You know, if you go back and you you look at the the timeline of of Democrats. And what they were saying, New York State, they, let me tell you, they won't even tell the story about how bad things got in New York. They're just not going to do it. I mean, it, you think that, you know, everyone thinks Governor Cuomo did such a great job. No, he didn't do such a great job. He didn't take the, the recommendations of his November 2015 task force, which said peak week, you would be short 15,783 ventilators. He bought none. He decided not to. It was only 04 percent of his annual budget. That's it. They wasted seven hundred and fifty million dollars on a on what a, a solar factory in upstate New York. That went belly up. Six hundred million on a microchip company that went belly up. Ninety million on a a light bulb factory partnering with a California company. That went belly up. Plenty of money for all the ventilators he otherwise was recommended to get. Between him and Comrade de Blasio. New York City was warned itself. You're going to be shy, uh, just a little less than 10,000 ventilators. Now, Bloomberg bought 500. He didn't buy anywhere near the 10,000 that they recommended, especially for peak week pandemic. You have a densely populated area, New York City, smallest geographic area, largest population. How many did they buy? 500. What did de Blasio do with the 500 he inherited? Ventilators? Uh, He didn't maintain them. Then somebody, someplace, somewhere they sold it at auction to who we don't know we have no idea so it's it it, it is who they are nobody will cover it, it seems i mean again they want to they want to blame trump okay you got the hospitals built i mean this new corruption scandal in new york do you realize the governor of new york the health department of new york that their excuse, this lame, pathetic excuse that they're making and and passing out there about what they did by an executive order of the governor saying that nursing homes and and long-term care homes must take in COVID patients? Okay, that ended up being a death sentence for people. That was a really bad idea. And his his answer on it is, well, you know... um, well, there's a lot of money at stake for these uh, these nursing homes. Uh, they didn't want to give up the money. And, oh, by the way, the comfort, you know, they, that's a federal ship. They, they weren't allowed to just transfer them there. Well, why didn't the governor call the president and say, well, thanks for converting the the hospital ship, the comfort to take on COVID-19 patients? Can you take these patients on from that are otherwise going to go back to long term care facilities and nursing homes? He could have had. it's not my responsibility to provide PPE. It's your responsibility. I've never seen anything like it. The comfort is a federal facility. It doesn't take transfers from nursing homes, he insisted. Uh, is the New York Times asking these probing questions? No, of course not. They're too busy accusing uh, people like me pretty much of things like murder. The specific protocol on that specific ship said the people have come have to come from a hospital because when they come from a hospital... The hospital has to do a full workup. So when they are referred, they are referred with a full workup. Almost suggested financial considerations were the reasons that one particular nursing home, elderly home facility place, Cobble Hill Health Center, topped the state list of coronavirus deaths at their nursing home since data, you know. And, and he said, oh, the money. The guy wanted the money because if you transferred him to the comfort, well... That would not have added to your bottom line. Guys saying no, uh, we wanted help. Remember when they when they converted the Javits Center, they had to change the whole ventilation system. that three thousand bed hospital that Trump gave New York. Now, what was De Blasio telling New York City residents? I see this poll today. This is a sixty four percent approval rating. This is how nuts New York is. Get out on the town. I'm urging New Yorkers go on with your lives. March second, he said this. Get out on the town despite coronavirus. And he said, let me offer you some suggestions. See through uh, March 5th. Go see The trader. March 10th, he's on MSDNC, the Conspiracy Theory Channel, saying, we have 25 cases of coronavirus. We deeply care about these individuals. But against the backdrop of 8.6 million people for the vast majority of New Yorkers, life is going to go on pretty normally now. We want to encourage that. If you're under 50 and you're healthy, which is most New Yorkers, very little threat here. The disease, even if you were to get it, acts like a common cold or flu. He said that March 10th. What was Governor Cuomo saying on March 1st? He was saying, oh, there's no reason for undue anxiety. The general risk remains low in New York. A couple of weeks later, he's screaming, I need ventilators. March 2nd, the governor was saying, so when you're saying what happened in other countries with coronavirus versus what happened here, we don't think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. OK, and then, you know, we have the best health care system in the world and excuse our arrogance as New Yorkers. I speak for the mayor here also. We think we have the best health care system on the planet. They weren't prepared for anything. You know, who bailed them out. Donald Trump. That's what that you know, if that's the truth that the mob, the media that they're never going to say. I mean, if you listen to the media mob, if you know, if you care to, you know, listen to the mob and the media and the things that they say, well, what about. Oh, who says it's not safe to travel to China? That advice was given by the New York Times. That advice was given February 5th. I wonder if anybody in the country read the New York Times and took their advice. You know, who says it's not safe to travel to China? February 5th. I wonder if anyone took their advice. Based on their definition, you would say that if they went there, yeah. Well, I guess maybe the way to do it would be You know, you say a beloved so-and-so was uh, skeptical about the, you know, thought the travel ban might be the right thing. It might be smart not to travel to China. Um, But then because of what he read in the New York Times, oh, he went to China and talk about what happened if he would have gotten Corona. That's basically the standards of the New York Times. We have a lot more to come here. Uh, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. We got to reopen and we got to reopen safely. It is, it is doable. There might be a couple of new normals, suck it up because otherwise this country as we love and know it is not going to survive financially. It's not. There are ways, things we can learn and do differently and better and get on with our lives uh, don't forget the guys that stocked the shelves in New York and Long Island never stopped stocking. Farmers, farm packers, pack truckers, trucked. Those that made manufacturing equipment saved New York's ass because we needed it in record time and they delivered. They never closed, so there's no reopening for them. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? And, you know, I saw some really cool things here. I mean, maybe I was wrong on one thing Um, because I've been talking about, all right, again, I'm looking at this uh, separate and apart. We've talked about South Dakota. We've talked about how great Governor DeSantis did. He he zeroed in on the elderly population down in Florida, and the number of people uh, in Florida contracting the virus, hospitalized, needing ventilation. It is so dramatically lower, the exact opposite of the stupidity of what they didn't do in New York, and then what they forced nursing homes to do in New York. And I saw something today. I have said, I don't know how you open a bar. I do believe stadiums with temperature checks, masks, uh, and maybe gloves, I think people can attend games safely at the right time. If people adhere to it, I think that's doable, in my humble opinion. you got to work out the details. I think opening up offices in New York, temperature checks, masks, gloves, half the workforce stays home. I don't know how you open a bar. uh, Restaurants are more complicated, um, a lot more complicated. They can't be as concentrated as they have been. And then I thought it was crazy for Governor Kemp in Georgia to even consider opening a a nail salon. And then I saw something I couldn't believe today. They built this huge barrier, clear, where it is a barrier between the person doing the the mani-pedi thing and the person that's receiving that goes in for that treatment. And I thought, and they all had masks on. I don't know. I'd like some medical. I'm going to ask Dr. Oz later about it. Seems maybe doable. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. 800 941 Sean, You want to be a part of the program. I mean, it's been more than a month. Ex-Biden staffer Tara Reid publicly accusing Joe Biden of a real sexual assault. It's very graphic beyond anything that we can say. If you rely on the media mob, ABC, CBS, fake news, CNN, conspiracy TV, MSDNC, um or PBS for your news, you likely won't know. You re- you know, I I mean that's just the way it is. You won't know. It just like for example, total airtime spent on Tara Reid's allegations March 25th, April 27th. ABC, zero, NBC, zero, CBS, one minute and three seconds. You got to give them credit. Unbelievable. It doesn't, you know, now she's calling and Tara Reid, I did speak with her briefly. I will not disclose the nature of the conversation. Um, She is not a um, Trump person. She's a Democrat. She has a neighbor that has spoken out on her behalf that's voting for Joe Biden. She has a best friend that corroborated this from the beginning is a Trump supporter. Um, Yeah, I mean, we can all have different political views and actually, in spite of mob think, you can actually still have friendships with people you might politically disagree with. Anyway, so Tara Reid, she is extremely smart, confident and articulate. And when you compare and you contrast uh, what she said in her timeline and uh, with the haunting call of her mom, it is unbelievable. It really is. I mean, she went in chapter verse detail about how Joe Biden, then senator, her boss, cornered her in a hallway, pressed her up against the wall, forcibly sexually assaulted her Um, full on sexual assault that she describes more graphic than I can say said to The Intercept in an interview with them that she shared the details of the assault with close friends. They've all corroborated that. Her brother, her friend, others now coming forward to corroborate her completely. Uh, Two more corroborating witnesses just recently speaking out, including a former neighbor, former colleague, and one happens to be a Joe Biden supporter. Uh, She told The Intercept that her mom had called in to Larry King Live but way back in 1993, that surfaced. We played it yesterday. She confirmed it was her mother. Biden campaign's denying it. So now we have 10 interviews. We have, let's see, 81 questions and not one, not a single one, asking about Tara Reed. Do you think that would happen if that was Donald J. Trump or, or Justice Kavanaugh? Remember Professor Christine Blasey Ford? She made serious allegations against then Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. It was one of the few times I thought Republicans actually, to their credit, handled something the right way. Okay, serious allegation. Let's look into it. Let's ask the questions. Now, a lot of differences here between Professor Ford and Tara Reid. She had no corroborating evidence, no corroborating witnesses. She never filed a police report. Everybody in the media mob, all the I-believers, I-believe, 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 I-believe. They're all over the place. All demanding Kavanaugh step down. And, of course, we had other allegations. The the Swetnick, Kavanaugh, uh, what's his name, Michael Avenatti person came forward. That story fell apart, too. So you have a credible allegation backed up with corroborating evidence that didn't exist in the Kavanaugh case. And uh, against Joe Biden, no I-believers, None. No media coverage either. The mob covers for Joe, just like they covered for him on Ukraine. Uh, Tara Reid wants a release of Biden's sealed Senate records. Tellingpoxnews.com, I'm calling for the release of the documents being held by the University of Delaware that contain Biden's staff personal records because I believe it will have my complaint form as well as my separation letter and other documents wonder if somebody's in there right now pulling a Hillary or pulling a Sandy burglar. Uh, he was just sloppy. What was he sloppy doing? He was going into the National Archives after 9-11 and stealing documents and shoving him down his pants and in his socks and in his backside and then saying, oh, I was just sloppy. I took a by Just think accident. maybe this is a case of sloppiness. I'm it's sure it was sloppiness. a careless sloppy, sloppy moment. Sloppy, sloppy. He
1: He was sloppy about it. So he admits he's sloppy
0: admits too, is, so I'm sloppy this.
2: too. Obviously, uh, the sloppiness was not something that uh, we're going to regret later. And it was a case of sloppiness. Sloppy, sloppy. Sloppy. Sloppy,
0: sloppy. Everybody goes into the National Archives, shoves documents down their pants and in their socks uh, and next to their backside, and walks out and then says, You know, I think they got there because I was sloppy. And the mob and the media regurgitates it. And the political hacks all regurgitate it. It's the same thing with quid pro quo Joe, zero experience hunter. It's all agenda driven. If you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, they bludgeon you. If you're a Democrat, and you have the right point of view, they will cover for you, and they cover for each other the way this game is played. You don't know the rules yet? Those are the rules. You know, 25%, that's the number, of New York State nursing home patients. They make up 25% of coronavirus deaths in New York State. Now, we've talked to Ron DeSantis. His numbers were so shockingly low as a percentage per 100,000 with a very large elderly population. And I talked to people that are down in the villages. They were all over the people in the villages. America's friendliest hometown. The coolest thing. You get older. You retire at the villages. Uh, Whether you want to or not, you're going to have fun until God calls you home. Golf courses, tennis courts. Pickle balls, the big thing, bars, concerts, uh, uh, lectures, book club, chess clubs, bridge clubs, concerts. They got it all. You can have and very inexpensive places and very expensive places, whatever you want to live. And anyway, they were all over the villages, thanks to Ron DeSantis. They went into every old nursing home, every nursing home in the state of Florida and made sure that they were covered Made sure that the most vulnerable population would not succumb to the coronavirus. Pretty amazing insight. You think that you're going to get credit? No. Linda's You're out of your mind, by the way. She just sent me something that made me laugh. Um, but they went down. Now, 25% of all coronavirus deaths in New York, how did that happen? Especially in light of what I just kind of went through, and that is the timeline of de Blasio and... You know, him telling people in March or March 2nd to be specific, I'm telling New Yorkers, get on with your lives, get out on the town. Despite coronavirus, I have some suggestions. You know, here's the first now through March 2nd through March 5th. Go see the trader on March 10th. He's telling New Yorkers. Well, we have 25 cases. We care deeply about these individuals, but against the backdrop of 8.6 million people for the vast majority of New Yorkers, life is going on pretty normally right now. We want to encourage that. And if you're under 50 and you're healthy, which is most New Yorkers, there's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. Any transmission is not easy. Transmission is not that easy oh i think there's been a misperception that coronavirus hangs in the air watching and waiting to catch you and he goes you know another dumb statement and i've gone over what governor cuomo said in march wasn't much better they weren't prepared at all mob in the media you think they're ever going to tell new yorkers the truth no but here's the interesting thing new york post has been pounding On this, uh, you know, one one nursing home operator said that the the governor has blood on his hands because of his March 25th directive that insisted nursing homes take on covid-19 patients. They weren't equipped for it. There was a specific reason New York asked Donald Trump to convert the Javits Center and the Navy hospital ship Comfort so they could take on covid-19 patients. It's not an easy do. Just like building 3,000 hospital beds was not easy. They weren't prepared in New York. That all got done in March, after De Blasio and the governor of New York said it was safe. These are just facts at this point. This is not political in any way. 25% of deaths happened to nursing home patients. You know they and and the governor, according to the, the nursing homes, quote, don't have a right to object to his order. He actually said that. Anyway, now, finally, people are picking up on it in the local media in New York. Even NBC News reporting coronavirus patients began arriving the last week of March, transferred to the Gerwin Jewish Nursing and Rehabilitation Center under a Cuomo administration state mandate requiring nursing homes to accept COVID-19 patients, even if they still might be contagious. Hello? Hello? Yet, we never came near any capacity at the Javits Center. They barely used it. Same with the comfort. Anyway, back to NBC. At the time, Long Island, the Long Island Nursing Home had only one known resident who had contracted the virus, according to the fa- facility's president and CEO, Stuart Almar is his name. A month later, Gerwin is now battling an outbreak that has killed 24 residents, only three of whom were hospital transfers one staff member who worked in housekeeping and the nursing home is still mandated to take in recovering hospital patients known to have the virus potentially increasing its spread in the facility. When Gerwin told members, uh, when, when Gerwin's staff members told Christina Parado's mother about the mandate late March, her family, they decided to take her 96 year old grandfather out of that facility because of fear for his safety. Even though he was still on IV antibiotics, recovering from pneumonia unrelated to the virus, she said. To make this mandate without exploring other options, what you're saying is, sorry, you've lived a good life. She's a nurse, by the way, this woman, Parado. It's reckless and it's careless. She stepped in to save her grandfather's life. Amazing at this late date. This is March 25th. The Javits Center, they had to change the ventilation system. You know who did that? Donald Trump changed the ventilation system to convert the Javits Center to be COVID-19 patient capable. I mean, it's unreal. Anyway, not only is New York has more coronavirus cases than anywhere in the country, but the highest number of known long-term care deaths, at least 3,500 of them, related to the virus, according to the state health department. And then when apparently these nursing homes were asking for PPE to protect the patients they're mandated to take on, that's not my responsibility. That's what the government of New York told them. Same government in New York demanding 40,000 ventilators. They don't have a right to object. That is the rule. That is the regulation. They have to comply with that. That's what Cuomo said in his press conference. If they can't do it, we'll put them in a facility that can do it. Nursing homes are working so hard to keep the virus out. Then they invite in COVID positive patients, said David Grabowski, professor of health policy at Harvard Medical School. Instead, he believes that states should create COVID only facilities. Now, I thought the media loved. I'm sure everybody's heard about this on CNN fake news. I'm sure the New York Times is covering it extensively. I would get it, but I have a plenty of toilet paper in my house. I don't really need it. Um, but it's, this is what we've had to deal with here. This, this is what this, this is the madness. Tara Reid has to deal with this. This is so bad that they don't even want to ever mention the the double standard with Hillary. Do you know that we've now discovered Christopher Steele who pulled the Hillary and apparently erased all his emails? Shocker. I don't know why we're wasting time going after a journalistic operation, whether you like them or not, their methods or not, we should have protected outside entities from hacking America uh, like 30 years ago. We know all these countries do it. I can't believe we still allow it and have not built the proper defenses, but that's a separate issue. How about we extradite Christopher Steele? Because apparently, according to The Daily Caller, Christopher Steele was meeting with the DNC and meeting with Clinton operatives. And apparently now new information is that all of these deep state actors knew that Russia was feeding false information to Steele and that they knew in Russia Steele was feeding it to Hillary. And even the New York Times toilet paper got that right. Likely Russian disinformation from the get-go we live in times where truth doesn't matter we live in times of breathtaking hypocrisy of an incredible double standard where the lie is the truth the truth is the lie the mob is what the mob is they have a political agenda they're an extension of a political apparatus uh known as the democratic extreme socialist party And if it means propping up Joe Biden uh, just to beat Donald Trump, they're going to do anything and everything to make that happen. The world we live in. All right. A lot of medical questions. How to reopen safely with Dr. Oz coming up. Uh, Sidney Powell, attorney for General Flynn coming up. Uh, Are there lessons uh, we could learn from Israel? They did a lot of things a little differently. Not sure some of them meet the constitutional muster of the U.S., but we'll talk about them. All right, glad you're with us. Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza, reopening the country and doing it safely. A lot of things that I'm seeing that I didn't think that I might think have possibilities. I've always, I've given you my plan for opening New York City. I won't repeat myself. Or opening a stadium like Yankee Stadium. I won't repeat myself. Now. I was critical of the governor of Georgia um, as it relates to offering opening hair and nail salons and tattoo parlors. Um, I think with restaurants, I think that Texas Governor Abbott had a really good idea. Twenty five percent capacity. Let's let it let, let it run its course a few weeks. Let's see how that works before we go any further. I, I think that's prudent. And I, you got to get these restaurants if we can, up and, and running. They may have to, I guess, charge a surcharge because of distancing, et cetera. But then I saw this picture, this picture somewhere, I think it was on social media. And I was kind of impressed at how well, I was kind of genius, actually. They sort of created for a nail salon what is barriers that were clear and see-through. Both the person that was getting their nails done and the person doing the manicure uh, were wearing masks, distant more, more so, maybe not six feet, but more than you'd think as the, you know, they kind of both reached their arms out a little bit and threw a, like an opening in the bottom of the, of the maybe plexiglass or something like that. And I was impressed by it. Anyway, Dr. Oz joins us now. How do we reopen? Reopen safely uh sir how are you and well at least we're talking about something a little bit more positive and that's getting back to the way of life we all want to have
2: i'm doing very well Uh, the more data i see uh, the more i feel confident that we'll be able to figure this out we've got to be thoughtful about it i've used the metaphor of a dimmer rather than a light switch about opening states it's going to have to happen slowly but what you pointed out about nail salons is analogously happening in the restaurant business in a lot of industries that can still start to function. I've been covering these really innovative concepts on the show. As an example, a lot of restaurants, because they're going to have to space you out differently, can actually do that and then put almost like grocery stores in between customers. So people can go shopping in parts of the store that now can't have customers, so the store can still make ends meet. And you're seeing that being done quite a bit. Even fast food chains are starting to have much more sophisticated takeout mechanisms, so they just Drop your food at the curbside, you swing by, you pick it up, you never touch anybody. It's going to be a little different. These plexiglass barriers are a clever idea. Again, used in places where you normally would be physically, you'd be close, but you wouldn't actually be touching them. But there's one big caveat I give. You know, I, we look at some of this data from the hospital system in New York, and 90% of the time, roughly, people have two risk factors or more. And so if you have major risk factors for having a complication that will lend you in the hospital, then we don't want you doing these things right now. But for the population, the other let's say the half of the population that doesn't have two risk factors, if they were to go sit at a, at a salon and that's using some of these innovative ideas and, and you know and do their best to stay socially distanced and the like, if there is a slip up somewhere, at least the price you pay is is not uh, is insurmountable.
0: Well, does that seem at least? On paper, what I'm describing to you for a nail salon. Now, the person that is um, giving the manicure has also has gloves on. Both have masks on. There's a complete separation with a, a big plastic. I don't, I don't I look. I don't know. I'm assuming it's p- plexiglass, but a big barrier all the way around, both sides. Uh, big distances between stations within the salon. I'm um, not sure if I'm painting a, a great picture here for you, but it intrigued me. And I just wanted to ask you, On the, in theory, does that maybe work for you?
2: Well, it's better than not having it. You also want to have a ventilated room. Uh, they're going to be air purifiers brought into a lot of these facilities. But let's just go a little further. To figure it out, we're going to want to test, and we're going to see exactly how effective it is. It might be incredibly effective, and it might be that it's, you know, 30% better than nothing. We, we don't know. It's like trying to compare masks. In the very beginning, we said, don't wear any masks, right? Because we don't have enough anyway for the hospital. It's not a big deal. Turned out that wasn't good advice. And if we had more masks, we would have used them. Then facial cloth coverings became, uh, you know, in vogue. Now I think we'll have enough masks for most people. So if you combine that, that, for example, those plexiglass barriers with masks, that might be, you know, i not making this up? 80% as good as never have gone. In which case, if you're a healthy person without comorbid factors, and you know the overwhelming odds are if you get sick, but you don't want to get sick. But if you get sick, that you can socially distance yourself from people who are vulnerable, then that becomes something that the average American can decide what, uh, what to do with. And then we'd be tracking it and making sure that we don't have these these forest fires of virus sprouting up again. But yeah, you could imagine that potentially working. There was a very interesting uh, piece in JAMA. Uh, was one of our biggest medical journals, looking at a homeless population in Boston. And they showed that about a third of the people in the homeless population had been infected by a few people who had gone there not knowing they were sick and spread it. But what was more interesting uh, for a lot of people who are listening is that 90% of the people who were infected didn't have any symptoms. Wow. And so... It means that some of the things we would normally do, like check your temperature before you walk into the nail salon to sit in one of these places, that's not going to be that effective. If ninety percent of the people, these again, these are younger people, they're homeless people. With mean age was fifty-one, but you know they're homeless people, so they may not be the healthiest people either. So just assume that it's you know representative of what we might see elsewhere it it's intriguing that 90% of the people said they didn't have symptoms even though they were testing COVID positive. Now, we want to replicate that, make sure it's true at, all, at other settings, but it highlights much more than ever before that we're not going to be able to depend purely on symptoms. We're going to want to assume people are infected, but to also respect the fact that most people will be, will be okay even if they get infected.
0: Is it possible this no, number that the governor of New York is throwing around that maybe as many, as high as 25%, of New York City residents had already contracted this virus? Is that possible?
2: Yeah, well, that's the number that they came up with using the antibody testing. It was 21% of Manhattan uh, dwellers, and it was 4% statewide or in the northern parts of the state. I think average for the state was 14%, and we've tested at one-tenth that many to be positive. So we restated our estimates of how many people had COVID-19 based on on testing of people's noses, was one-tenth of what it was in when, when they actually did the antibody testing.
0: Now, uh, here, here's a personal question. You don't have to answer it all. I'm a big believer in medical privacy. Did you ever get a test of any kind or no?
2: No, I never got a test because I never met criteria to get a test. I was curious to get tested. Yeah, But to get tested, the, first of all... I, you, you didn't want to take
0: it away from somebody that needed it. I got it. Because exactly. I but think the same was, as you.
2: Yeah, and, I, and actually, because I kept getting asked that, even been about a curiosity, and it wouldn't have been hard for me to get tested. For me to have done the opposite of what I was telling people to do. I mean, I was advising patients, people who are you know, colleagues and, and folks who are just asking for help, if they should get tested. And I say, How do you feel? Well, you know, okay. I just, you know, I wish I didn't have this, but do you have a bad fever? Well, not that bad. It was like, a, you know, have yeah, you shorter breath? No. You don't Stay in your room. <laughs> don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: you don't need to do a thing they're talking about now and again there's been many many iterations of the test and the antibody test and the positive test that they might be able to do millions a day the president just mentioned that earlier in a press conference today your thoughts is that 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 would certainly turn the corner dramatically in terms of opening up everything
2: well if a lot of people had been infected it would open up uh, a lot of doors. But let's think about this. New York City, which is what I don't think is any argument that it's the epicenter in the country. You know, half the deaths were here, half the cases were here in New York City area. So if if our highest number estimated is twenty one percent, it's not gonna be that in most parts of the country. In fact if you go by the data in California, it'll be more like one or two percent of the population has had it already. So I don't think the antibody testing is going to set us free. Plus, we just don't know what it really means to be antibody positive. We know you were affected, but does that really mean you can't get it again? And, and because we don't, you know, there, I think most of us think that the, the odds are heavily in your favor you will not get it again, but there have definitely been some exceptions. We don't know why. So, with that in mind, I, you know, you're not going to get carte blanche anyway. The, the antibody testing is at least pretty solid, usually. The testing of your nose, depending on how you do it and where it's done, uh, tells you if you're actively infected. But I just gave you data that 90% of people who tested positive didn't have any symptoms. So that means you have to be testing people all the time. And we may want to adopt a policy where we test people who are high risk or people who could contaminate others, right? Doctors, nurses, frontline workers, people who, you know, maybe, maybe the person who's actually taking your order at a restaurant that's really busy, you might want to get tested because they could infect a lot of people if they were sick. But all of us are going to have to take the responsibility of not really knowing for sure if the person next to you is infected or not, which means you're going to have to triage a little bit. You're going to have to decide how much of a risk am I willing to tolerate in order to do what I want to do. And if you're healthy without risk factors, you'll probably take uh, more liberty. And if you aren't, you really shouldn't.
0: Big differences between how New York and Florida treated the elderly population. Fully 25% of all coronavirus deaths in New York uh, were state nursing nursing home patients. There was an ex- emergency executive mandate that, that nursing homes accept COVID-19 patients, I, which never made sense to me because... You had We never got anywhere close to capacity on the hospital ship, the Comfort, or the Javits Center, and they were both converted to take on COVID-19 patients. Um, In Florida, they've they've fully concentrated, the governor down there, DeSantis, his efforts on the elderly population. What do we learn from that?
2: Well, if we have to take care of our most vulnerable, that's why I'm happy the CDC guidelines for phase one and two, the three phases, remember, phase one and two, tell vulnerable people not to go out. Now, 60% of the population, strictly speaking, are vulnerable. So, it's you know, it's a lot of folks who can't go out, but some of these factors you can't control. Uh, I have a friend who's in the nursing home business, and I was quizzing him on this, and he said, you know, we basically just made some of our nursing homes COVID-19 nursing homes. We would only take patients coming out of the hospital with COVID-19, and then we still gowned up and did everything prophylactically just in case. But, you know, that way we, we further reduced the possibility that we'd have adjacent patients, one infected, one not. Uh, and that you're right. That was a huge issue early on. And I got to say, of all the things that when we look back, it's easy to look back and find opportunities yeah, for do, doing it better. But that's one place I would really be super buttoned up on this coming winter, because when the virus comes back and we expect to have some kind of resurgence, the way we'll squash it quickly is by making sure that folks, especially in the nursing home space, are very well taken care of. But seeing what this my friend has done in New Jersey. I mean, it's, you know, these guys, they look like astronauts, these nurses, walking around. I mean, I don't think they're going to affect anybody.
0: Uh, i got to ask you my predictable and um, my obsessive-compulsive question about stadiums and how to open a stadium safely. We've gone into, into detail on this every day. Um, what do you think now?
2: I think that people who have risk factors for getting hospitalized— again, high blood pressure, diabetes, and being overweight, bad lungs, etc., they're not going to want to go to a stadium this year. I I just can't see that happening unless we get better treatments. However, I bet you much of the rest of the population will start to get more and more comfortable, especially if the data from states that are now opening up continue to be positive, where they're feeling comfortable that they're not having increasing cases, and the ones that happen are you know, pretty low risk and are doing okay, that'll get people thinking, well, you know what? Uh, you know, I, 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 a, I'll I, either get an antibody test and feel comfortable taking the risk. I'll wear my mask. I'll do all the things. probably I good or good to wear a mask, you won't be tempted by hot dogs, which aren't your best health interest. Uh, okay, okay now to...
0: hang on a second. We've we got to stop right there.
2: <laughs> so Brett, I know how much Nathan's
0: uh, Hebrew National casing <laughs> hot dogs, what, that's like my diet. What are you talking about? That and beer. I mean, come on. You, that, you that's like you
2: don't get you don't you don't get that gazelle like body <laughs> dogs all the
0: time. I don't eat them as often as I like I'm not gonna lie and I don't drink as much as I'd like either because uh, I'm trying to stay in shape but but for younger healthier people with the, all the other things we talked about temperature checks testing for every stadium employee masks you know maybe a little distancing with seats spread out we can get there and maybe sooner than later I hope
2: but I mean, eventually we'll get there. The question is when. And that, a lot of it depends on how well these early states do as they open up, because we're going to learn a lot. For example, you and I have talked a lot, quite a bit about social distancing, wearing masks, you know, et cetera. But we actually have to prove that works. Let's do it. I mean, as a country, let's get all well, we it. I,
0: I mentioned the guy stocking the, the store shelves, and yeah, my exactly. local grocery store has been working the whole time. He never stopped working. All those manufacturers of all that medical equipment, they never stopped working either. If they shut down, uh, we were dead in New York.
2: And we need more of that, as you know, because we're now having major issues, for example, with the meat supply in this country because we've shut down so many of those firms. But even those companies now, they're also going to be putting plexiglass between the workers because these guys generally have worked elbow to elbow, facing each other. Now these new OSHA requirements are you've got to be a little bit socially distanced, don't face opposite the person that you're working with. That way they, if they cough, you're not getting it. You don't want to take the, you know, everyone down with one person in the, in the company getting ill. But those are the kinds of more sophisticated guidelines that are going to allow us to truly do what you're saying. Because if people have confidence that where they're going is safe to work, if they have confidence that they can go to a social event and not get ill, and and in fact the mask will work, and we've demonstrated that, then of course everyone wants to go have a beer and a burger or a dog at a stadium.
0: All right, thanks a lot, Dr. Oz. We appreciate it, as always, you being with us. 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, as we roll along. All right, so what can we learn from other countries? Israel is always often so ahead of the curve, but they might be doing things we can't do in terms of uh, civil liberties, constitutional rights. Also, new exculpatory evidence, everything we told you about how corrupt the deep state, the FBI was against General Flynn, uh, now revealed his day of freedom is upon us. We have all the developments. We'll check in exclusively with General Powell's attorney, Sidney uh, um, pa- uh, Powell will join us, uh, as General Flynn's attorney. Uh, that's all coming up. And the latest on the mob, the media, the deep state and much more all straight ahead. Final hour free for all coming up, too. Hi, 25 till the uh, top of the hour, 800 Sean, You want to be a part of the program. The numbers out of Israel, I mean, what can we learn? How do you do things better? Israel always seems to do so many things right when so many get it wrong. The world's grappling with the coronavirus pandemic. Israel, uh, the oddest thing is in the middle of this, it's the third election in a year. And I mean, you think we have a screwed up electoral system in this country it is nothing compared to what israel has their parliamentary system you know three elections no final decision coalition governments uh want to talk about horse trading and politics doesn't get worse anyway 15,589 people in israel tested positive for coronavirus get this only 208 people died In the West Bank, 480 cases diagnosed so far, two died. 17 cases in Gaza, eight of which have recovered. The Israeli government approved a series of steps to ease the lockdown restrictions. We're all looking to open up here as quickly as possible, including allowing group prayer and partial reopening of the economy and stores, And there are fines if you don't wear a mask in public. We're probably going to have to get used to sucking that up for a little bit of time. But I'd rather wear a mask and watch a Yankee game or go to an outdoor concert than not go. Uh, Anyway, but since the outbreak, the IDF took sweeping measures in terms of ensuring the operational capabilities secure in the country against any threat and bolstering the national efforts to contain and combat COVID-19 Uh, Joining us now is Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan uh, Kamrikas, he is the head of the International Media Branch of the IDF Spokesperson's Unit, which means he's the IDF spokesperson or spokesman to the world. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel, great to have you, thanks for joining us, how are you sir?
1: I am great and thank you for having me.
0: You know on my many trips to Israel one of the things that has impressed me so much is I meet these young kids and they're unbelievable they're astounding and they have mandated service young people and and both men and women boy these kids grow up fast because of the threat that you constantly live under 24 7 their entire lives and they just seem tougher than than other kids around the world based on the reality of what they have to deal with every day
1: well Sean there's definitely no other choice unfortunately uh, the young men and women in Israel, as you said correctly, have mandatory service, and even as the IDF is heavily vested in helping the states of Israel in dealing with the COVID-19 situation, I can assure you that our number one priority remains defending our borders. Despite everything going on, and despite all the reports that you're hearing from the Middle East, from Iran, and other places about what's happening with COVID-19, we still have a very clear objective, and that remains to stand guard along all of our borders, at sea, in the air, even underground, and in the cyber domain.
0: Let's talk about the very specific things that you did. You started, for example, you have these measures in place, uh, a quarantine of 6,000 soldiers to ensure their operational readiness. That was brilliant. That since now has dropped the number to approximately 800 as the situation improved in, in Israel. The IDF Homefront Command uh, converted hotels into corona rehabilitation centers. At its height, there were, what, 21 hotels operating throughout Israel. The IDF That's converted true. their DNA identification labs uh, to a coronavirus testing facility. How many total in Israel have died?
1: So, unfortunately, we're talking about, as you said correctly, a little bit more than 200 Israeli civilians have unfortunately died out of COVID-19-related disease. Almost
0: 16,000 contractions, though.
1: That's true. And I'm happy to say, however, that no IDF personnel have even gone seriously ill. And we're talking about a quite massive standing force. And I think probably thanks to the quick measures that we implemented that you mentioned, quarantine of military personnel and sending all of our combat troops to the borders and to distance them from Israeli society we were able to encapsulate the most important part of the IDF our combat troops and they have now been in their bases for an extended period of time to make sure that they are safe and no Israeli no IDF personnel has been seriously affected by the disease and i think what the key um, The key thing here is that we're working under the guidance of the Israeli government, taking directives from the Ministry of Health. Everything is coordinated by the prime minister's office. And at the end of the day, the IDF understands that what we bring to the table is command and control structure, discipline, logistic capabilities, and most importantly, I think, the will and the urgency to help the state of Israel in whatever it needs. And so far, we're quite happy with the results. We cannot say yes, that we're over the situation, and we still have to have strict uh, measures implemented. You mentioned the masks and social distancing, and I can tell you that's challenging for a military to have those kind of restrictions. Imagine having a platoon drill or even conducting basic training while you have to maintain two uh, or six feet from, uh, from your body, Uh, It's not natural for a military, but we understand that this is what needs to be done now. And uh, we're happy to help the state of Israel. And most importantly, to make sure that the IDF remains ready for any scenario that comes upon us.
0: Tell us about the tracking of people COVID-19 positive positive, with their cell phones. Um, I don't think that would pass constitutional muster in the U.S., maybe voluntarily if people for a period wanted to do it but i think it would it would face very very uh, it would pre- it would face a severe political backlash with my guess don't know for sure but that's my guess how big a role did that play in preventing people from contracting and dying
1: so according to what the ministry of health has been saying is that that information based on cellular data has been very important in Uh, in locating people who are in risk of being affected and taking preventive measures. However, it should be mentioned that this is not something that the IDF does. That's actually our uh, brother service, the Israeli Internal Security Agency, also known in Hebrew by the acronym Shabak, which has those kind of capabilities and usually uses them for counterterrorism. So what we're doing in the IDF is probably on the other side Of the national effort. We're actually focusing on distributing food, medicine, supplies, and as you said, evacuating elderly and Israeli civilians to quarantine, and in some cases also policing and enforcing a curfew. And yes, there is an ongoing political debate in Israel regarding that. And there was actually uh, a discussion in our High Court of Justice as well. And as you know, we're a democracy, and whatever. The judiciary will decide. That's how the executive branch in Israel will uh, conduct itself. And um, we, in the IDF, I mean, it's not really what we are focusing on. Our effort here is to try to assist in uh, whatever means that the state needs our capabilities.
0: Very early on, Israel, um, you have Tevla, I believe, is the, the name of the pharmaceutical company. But Israel That's right. generously donated, you know, 10 million doses of hydroxychloroquine. Um, Knowing Israel as well as I do, and I consider Israel one of our closest friends and allies, and, you know, frankly, I'm a big fan of the prime minister. I think he's been a a force, you know, of moral clarity, good and strength in the world stage uh, for many, many years. And I think what they've been doing to him is fundamentally ridiculous and unfair. Uh, but anyway, uh, tell us the reason why, because that er, that very early on caught my attention, because, well, I, I just know how Israeli scientists, how, how great they are, um, rivaling U.S. scientists, some of the best in the world.
1: Well, I think that the key word here is understanding that we need to cooperate, that we need to cooperate with allies, with the U.S., we need to cooperate within Israel between the different ministries. We need to share knowledge with other countries, other militaries. And it's clear that this kind of global challenge needs to be met globally, and you need to communicate, share data, share intelligence, and share patents. You know, we have a top-secret uh, technological unit in the Israeli Intelligence Corps, which usually provides uh, high-tech gizmos for our special forces, way beyond enemy lines. What they understood early on, based on data from other countries, is that ventilators is going to be a bottleneck and probably the most crucial equipment needed in Israeli hospitals in case of a massive pandemic. So what they went on doing was to convert existing home-use ventilators, referred to as BiPAPs, and trans- transform them into hospital-grade ventilators, and really multiplying by a factor of 10 the existing capabilities in Israel. And coming back to what you said about sharing, the blueprints for that have been shared with select partners around the world, most of them in the U.S.
0: Unbelievable. Um, Let me ask you this, because, look, I've been all over Israel. Um, It's not a big country. It's about the size of New Jersey uh, for people that have Mm. not been there, but... And I've been in the old city. I'm one of my favorite places, I think Tel Aviv is particularly a, a beautiful part of your country. And I've actually taken a helicopter ride uh, all the way up to the, from Tel Aviv to the old city. To the
1: Golan Heights.
0: To the Golan Heights, yes, sir. And I, so I've been, you have densely populated areas. Uh, we went to the you town reach. Sorot, for example, on the border with Gaza. I mean, you can see... Right there, you know, where I mean, it's that this town got hit with 10,000 rockets in 10 years. It's that close in proximity to Gaza. My question is you have a densely populated, you have densely populated cities. Most of Israel is densely populated, but you didn't run into the problems of, say, a city like New York, where I am. Why?
1: first of all, if you speak about New York, I just want to say on behalf of the IDF, and I think I can speak for the state of Israel, that we really wish New York to get back on track to be uh, the uh, amazing city that it is that never sleeps and never stops. And we wish all good and health to Americans all over uh, the USA and, of course, uh, specifically New York. Having said that, uh, I think that—and you're— Totally correct about the very urban uh, nature of the state of Israel. Uh, More than ninety percent of the Jewish population lives in uh, very tight urban areas. Early on,
0: by the way, you can make fun of the (laughs) kibbutzes.
1: Yes, (laughs) they are a a very very important part of Israel's history. But actually, they're about two percent or perhaps even less, of the total Israeli population. If you look at our statistics, we are a very, very urban country. The Kibbutzim are a rich and incredibly important part of our history, and they are still there today along all of our borders with brave men and women, pioneers, uh, early pioneers. But in terms of the, the COVID-19 situation, uh, yes, a very urban uh, country, where early on we, uh, it was decided by the government to, to implement strict measures on uh, the distance that civilians can go from their houses, everybody included, myself included, and military personnel and everybody else included, so that they would uh, limit the curve. And there were places where we had challenges with that as well, like there's been in other places around the world, and actually the IDF had a part in communicating since we do have experience in mass communications in times of emergency and getting the message out to different parts of Israeli society, we had challenges with our ultra-orthodox communities all over Israel, specifically Bnei Brak, which is a uh, kind of a, it's a city close to Tel Aviv with a ultra-orthodox population, uh, and they communicate differently. So we had to tailor our public awareness efforts so that they would get the message. And same thing with our Arabic population, both in the north and the south. They don't listen to regular Hebrew Israeli media. So the army stepped in, and we tailored the message to the audience, and we made sure that they also know about those social distancing, about the masks, and about everything that is needed by the uh, as per the advice of the professionals and how to get by and how to get through. So maybe that has been uh, maybe that's been part of the reason why the curve has been rather flat in israel uh, and uh, let's hope that it gets uh, better in the us and better all over the world as well
0: i hope you can share this uh, and i'm sure you are because uh, because of the great alliance between the us and israel uh, i hope you can share some of this information with maybe some of the officials in new york uh, when i saw your these numbers i was blown away and You know, this country is now talking about, quote, reopening. Uh, We never really closed because if we had closed down the manufacturing centers that made all of the medical equipment and masks and respirators and shields and and medicines and supplies and the farmers farming, packers packing, truckers trucking, and those guys that I saw every weekend when I go shopping here in the epicenter of this thing— We wouldn't have had any food uh, or any medical safety equipment. Um, I hope you'll share that with the people in New York as they begin their efforts to get this city up and running, which needs to get done. But uh, my many, many thanks to you. I have such a deep regard and respect for the state of Israel and our friends in the IDF. We know you're great, loyal partners and uh, the voice of moral clarity in a nutty world. Uh, We thank you for what you do every day
1: thank you very much and i can say that we already are our senior commanders are speaking with their counterparts in the u.s armed forces first of all conveying our conveying our sympathies and support exchanging lessons learned and telling uh, them what we've been doing and listening to advice on what they've been doing so it's a two-way street and yes there is a strong uh, bond between us between the armed forces of the state of israel and the u.s armed forces we are grateful for the support, and uh, we're very confident that both of us will uh, get over this situation.
0: Well, we appreciate you being with us. <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel, thank you. 800 941 Uh Sidney Powell withheld exculpatory evidence in the Flynn case. She exposes it. When will he be set free, and who should he sue? Coming up.
2: Coming up next, our final news roundup and information
3: overload hour, Uh, you know, has been promoting these this Russia hoax for so long. And the reality, you have a the former head of the of the DIA who has been strung up here for for year after year after year. Uh, And what was now likely uh, we're going to find out uh, he was framed. Imagine that being framed uh, by our own government and by political uh, operatives who don't like you. And I think that's what we're going to find out.
0: That's what we have and are finding out more and more every day. First, we found out that everything was withheld for Papadopoulos. That's exculpatory. Then we find the lead juror, the jury person in the Roger Stone case. What did we learn? We learned that, oh, well, that person had publicly, repeatedly trashed Roger Stone on social media. Then, of course, now erased, but we have archives of it. Uh, And on top of that, hating Trump, any Trump supporters, considering them racist. And Roger Stone is uh, what's scheduled to go to jail on Thursday. The one person we have known almost from the get go. The FBI never thought he was lying. We knew that from the beginning. That was General Michael Flynn. They forced him, coerced him, pretty much demanded of him. And and remember, he was bankrupt at this time. 33 year War hero, veteran to this country, service to this country, how we could treat him this way. Uh, and Michael Flynn has to sell his house. Then he's told, well, if you don't agree that you lie to the FBI, then we're just going to go after your son. Oh, well, I can see a lot of fathers saying, you mean if I don't sign this, you're you're going to put my son in jail? I guess I'll sign the lie, um, admitting to lying, which your guys don't even think that I did, but I'll do it. And it brings us to the bigger question is, okay? we've been looking for what we call Brady material for a long period of time. And now because of the attorney general and we now have discovered that he is the victim, General Flynn, of one of the worst miscarriages of justice in modern times. He's an innocent man, unfairly targeted by the FBI wrongfully prosecuted by Mueller and his team of, of merry witch hunters uh, coerced into a guilty plea under threat and new court documents finally handed over to the Flynn legal team. And Sidney Powell will join us in a second contain exculpatory evidence. This information has long been sought. It has been concealed. And but for the attorney general doing a separate investigation, we never would have gotten this information And the charges against General Flynn must be dismissed. And frankly, he should then turn around and sue every single person uh, that persecuted him under the pretext of a legitimate prosecution. Now, the truth is, is that General Flynn never did anything wrong, never committed any crime. And that these people knew and high ranking people within the FBI, DOJ knew and they hid it and then illegally, I would argue, if it can be proven, uh, hit it from the courts as well. Because now we know that on April 8th this year, Covington, Burling, LLP, Covington submitted a supplemental notice regarding transfer of case file to the successor counsel. supplemental notice, in which Covington informed the court they had found emails that were not transferred To successor counsel last year due to errors of processing and collecting and searching electronic uh, materials, as well as two pages of handwritten notes inadvertently not transferred. Sydney Powell joins us now to shed some light on this. Tell us uh, what we've discovered here, Sydney.
3: Well, on top of that, today Covington sent us notice that there's an additional seventeen thousand five hundred pages of documents that were not provided in the Explain earlier. Explain Covington,
0: almost, by the way. So you Covington
3: and Burling is the law firm that represented General Flynn before I took over the case last June.
0: How did they miss these important documents? That is incredible to me.
3: Well, there's a a technological explanation for it attached to their uh, that they're filing with the court today. But uh, the long and short of it is I really can't imagine how that firm in particular would have not produce the entire file to begin with they actually certified to the court that they had i mean i can understand finding a But but few didn't the prosecutors have later, this also? Didn't the prosecution no, no, the pro- the, no, the prosecutors does not prosecutors do not have this information it's attorney client privileged.
0: Okay, so all of the emails that we're talking about explain the exculpatory nature of them.
3: Well, that that was produced by the government. The uh, the emails and two pages of handwritten notes was produced to us from the government Friday night under seal.
0: Well, that's my Uh, point.
3: I mean, he got screwed left ways, sideways, up and down. Oh, yes. From every possible angle. So we have his own former lawyers just now producing an additional 17,500 pages that we don't know what it contains yet. We're in the process of uploading it to a database to make it searchable. And then we have the government saying it has found exculpatory evidence that is absolutely stunning, and we'll be producing more of that. And we don't know how much more of that is coming yet either, but there ought to be a lot. Because, I mean, we identified, based on what the government had even told the Covington lawyers, a number of significant documents that should have been produced, not the least of which is a January 3027 memo inside the DOJ completely exonerating General Flynn of all things Russia while he was still in the White House.
0: I mean, this is what I'm having a hard time understand, Sydney, because you got in a big battle. You knew that things had not been handed over because General Flynn, I assume, remembered them. And and you were fighting for Brady material, the judge in the case, you know, different times getting angry with you and getting angry with General Flynn and then deciding that, well, there is no Brady material to hand over. That's not true. That wasn't true.
3: Should he have known? He should have. Well, I'm just stunned that Judge Sullivan, who I called the judicial hero of my first book, License to Lie, as being the Brady judge and have bragged on him for six years all over the country for it, would not order the specific production of documents even the government itself had identified as being Brady to us and only given us a three- or four-line summary of each document. I mean, that would have been the minimum to grant us as a proper uh, Brady relief, but he denied all of it on the and just adopted wholesale everything Mr. Van Grack said about why we shouldn't be entitled to it. Let's ex- let's go back to Friday in, night in a guilty plea.
0: Let's go back to Friday night and the exculpatory information that the government had and you say that there's more that you're expecting tell us what well, what can you specifically tell us about it
3: i can only tell you right now because it's still sealed but they've promised to unseal it either today or tomorrow um so we're waiting for that but it's uh, several emails and then a couple of pages of handwritten notes that are particularly Damning that proves the setup we've been talking about all the time and briefed extensively from the information we did have. I mean, we knew already from 302s we had, that had been dribbled out to Covington over the years that a high a group of, echelon, of the upper echelon of the uh, FBI had joined together and met any number of times to figure out how to interview Flynn to keep him relaxed and unguarded so that he would not even know he was the subject of the interview. That was in several 302s that were produced. And they met with Peter Strzok. Strzok and McCabe met any number of times. Lisa Page helped alter the 302 before it was finalized. It had to be approved by McCabe before they issued it. And that was after Flynn left the White House. It was in deliberative process all that time, meaning it was going through multiple revisions.
0: But but why didn't it raise the suspicion of Judge Sullivan or anybody else when James Comey is bragging, uh, uh, well, number one, we know that General Flynn called Andrew McCabe, deputy FBI director, and said, hey, do I need a lawyer? He's sending some people over. No, no, not at all. Well, that would deny him his Miranda rights. That's simple law 101. And then the director of the FBI saying, oh, yeah, we took full advantage of the chaos on day four of the new Trump administration and I did something that I would never even think of doing in the Bush years or Obama years or ever think that I could get away with. And that was bypass the general counsel at the White House and send his guys in there for uh, for basically an interrogation
3: without allowing General Flynn the right to counsel and bragging about it. Yes, I can't imagine why that didn't raise Judge Sullivan's ire. Of course, that broadcast didn't happen until about three days before what was to be General Flynn's sentencing on December 18th of 2018. Um, You know, really well timed to incite everybody over that, but it didn't seem to bother Judge Sullivan and the defense didn't make anything out of it.
0: So what's going to happen here? Do we go back to court? Does Judge Sullivan now uh, acknowledge his mistakes on Brady material? Does Judge Sullivan now take a new look at how Andrew McCabe denied him his Miranda rights and James Comey bragging that all normal processes that would 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 be given and considerations given uh, were not given to General Flynn? Uh, Does he now say that he that we should dismiss and overturn the, the verdict in this case? And assuming something like that happens, uh, what recourse would be available to General Flynn in terms of suing these people that denied him his civil liberties and his constitutional rights?
3: Well, we haven't looked into the second part yet, but that is certainly uh, ripe for review or will be soon, I believe. But I think the government at some point in the next week or two is going to have to move to dismiss this case itself as part of the first step in restoring integrity and credibility to the rule of law and the DOJ and the FBI.
0: Well, who's that, you know, Ray Donovan once famously said, uh, all right, uh, he gets dismissed of years of allegations and charges and abuse by the corrupt mob in the media and then says, well, where do I go now to get my good name back? Uh, where does General Flynn go to get his good name back? Uh, more importantly, where does he go to get the money for his old house back? Uh, And who's going to compensate him for the the millions and millions of dollars in legal fees? And I know you're doing it for like pennies on the dollar, if even that. Um, And others have donated a lot of time and a lot of pro bono work here. Uh, How does he get? Oh, sorry, never mind. Is that is that what is that how we uh, thank a 33 year veteran of his country?
3: No, I think it will be better resolved than that. But I don't want to telegraph our legal strategy right now and it would have to be more further developed anyway but yes we will try to do everything possible to make sure that general flynn is made whole and frankly we've been working off the generosity of the millions of americans across the country who have supported the mike flynn defense fund dot org and they've just been absolutely amazing cards notes letters prayers contributions, you name it. I mean, we feel their support. And if you look at General Flynn's Twitter feed from when he tweeted out his declaration of innocence that we had filed several months ago, just the other night, there are thousands. I think there are like 15,000 comments under there, people saying welcome back and how supportive they are. And it's just really heartwarming. You know,
0: look at all that we've learned about Papadopoulos in recent days. Now we've learned that the FBI knew This was Russian disinformation that was fed to Christopher Steele and that they knew Hillary was paying for it. So they purposely gave it to Hillary. Even the New York Times finally uh, got one thing right. And they acknowledged it was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning. Now, Christopher Steele is saying, well, I don't have any of my old emails. He erased them (laughs) just like Hillary. And he's now saying he had previously undisclosed meetings, according to the Daily Caller. Did you see this? with lawyers for the dnc and the clinton campaign
3: yes but somewhere i'd i'd known that already from some of the documents i had read yeah he well, was he was all over the place meeting with everyone he was obviously an operative for any number of people at the same time the dnc hillary clinton oleg deripaska the fbi he was being paid by all of them to make all of this stuff up disinformation right, Cindy, was, stay right there hang Orton. on a second He's, we'll
0: get back to sydney powell We'll reconnect on a better line here All right, as we continue with our friend Sidney Powell, federal prosecutor, counsel for General Flynn. Do we have a timeline on when we think we can get an end to this for General Flynn? And I mean, I I know the president has been outspoken about this, but uh, I don't know if that means he's contemplating. I have no idea if he's contemplating a pardon. I, um, I would think in this case it would be a slam dunk, but he sees the injustice. The question is, uh, would you rather just go through the process first and get this case thrown out? Or, you know, where where is your position on that?
3: I think the best thing for all concerned, including the Department of Justice and the FBI, is for this information to be disclosed and them to move to dismiss the case, acknowledging the prosecutorial and, and FBI misconduct. I think that's the only appropriate thing to do that will give the system of justice any future credibility and help restore integrity to the DOJ and the FBI.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds uh, like a slam dunk either way. Um, I hope we get there. I
3: think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. They have to respond in writing by, I think it's May 11th, according to the judge's minute order entered yesterday or day before. And that would be – I would think they would move to do it before that. I mean, they've already told us additional Brady is coming up any time now, and they're going to unseal what came out either Friday, uh, today, well, or tomorrow.
0: A lot of us have been praying for General Flynn, a lot of, a lot of people. Now, people want to we, get in touch with you. We those
3: prayers, and we really appreciate your support and how much you've stayed on this.
0: I, I'm not, I, I was never getting off this. You know something, Sydney? I, we were proven right every step of the way – and there's more vindication coming. I'm not sure if you noticed that John Durham is now up the staffing. Uh, it's not a report. He's looking into criminal activity. All right, Sydney Powell, watching closely. Things are moving very quickly. Thank you so much for all you're doing. 800 941 Sean You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Uh, quick break. We'll come back on the other side. And uh, but your calls all coming up straight ahead.
1: I want the reporters to call him out on his lying.
0: I want the reporters to follow up on questions. And, and you, if you can't get a, a real good answer, the correct answer, I want you all to get up and walk out.
1: Here we have a president who is exploiting a national crisis. To move forward his own agenda his own revenge his own profit the president's just going
2: to ramble ramble and yell at reporters say things that aren't the truth and yell at reporters when they ask important questions which is what he does uh
1: then they shouldn't have the press conferences but this is a president who just cannot handle the truth a president who has to make everything about him he needs to be praised at every second what we saw was
0: a hijacking, a hijacking of the task force press conference by a president determined to rewrite the history of his early and reprehensibly irresponsible response to this virus. This is a president looking for a scapegoat because his own performance is under question. And this is a president who clearly still has time to watch Fox News because this has been the narrative on Fox News. Don't blame the president, blame China blame the World Health Organization, find someone else to blame.
1: So back in, in my FBI days, Nicole, some of the most heinous criminals that I saw were those who exploited crises, humanitarian crises, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, for their own benefit, right? And I, 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 thought, I thought that was the most despicable thing that I had seen. And I have to tell you, I see the president's conduct as akin to that kind of uh, inhumane exploitation of a, of a crisis
0: all right all of these uh comments i I, you know i've just i can't even believe how bad they really are but they are they are as bad as i i guess you're ever gonna get in terms of media media is what the media is what the media is and that is they are abusively biased and they are corrupt the democratic party is corrupt that never-ending non-stop psychotic hatred of a president just goes on and on and on and on and on and they don't seem to care at all and nor will they ever care um and i'm just watching all of this and i just see even more clearly every day how much these two how they are intertwined into a group think They have they they have convinced themselves, many of them, that I guess that they're doing God's work and that we are the smelly Walmart shoppers. They always thought that they wanted, you know, look look at the New York Times for Trump. Lying is a superpower. It's the New York Times. You know, it's everybody was laughing as this idiot, Paul Krugman. You know, Jennifer Rubin is an authoritative source on Republicans. No, she's a I hate Republican. Uh, everybody's screeching and screaming on all of these cable networks, MSDNC, basically the conspiracy theory channel that gets everything wrong, never acknowledges or admits that they're wrong. Uh, Fake news, CNN, it's it's all hate Trump all day, every day. You know, they can debunk the stories on China. Look, we saw this with the Ukraine thing and the whole impeachment issue. Joe Biden was protected. Joe Biden was protected. The, The whole idea, whoa. The president in this phone call, you know, there was only one fact witness at the end of this whole impeachment. That's all that we had. One fact witness when pressed, What did the president say he wanted? Uh, Nothing. No quid or pro quo. Nothing. He had a lot of opinion witnesses, a lot of hearsay witnesses, hearsay whistleblower uh, uh, testimony. We never found out who the real whistleblower is, supposedly. And it didn't matter that Joe was on tape bragging that he's withholding a billion taxpayer dollars as he is the lead representative of the United States, vice president of the United States on Ukraine and bragging. I told him you're not getting a billion bucks. This is quintessential Joe Biden bluster bragging. And uh, this is when he had a softball still. And you're not getting the billion unless you fire that prosecutor. Who was the prosecutor? The one investigating his son zero experience hunter who is being paid millions son of a bee they fired him no 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 credible person would ever discuss it the guy gets a pass you are watching this this madness It, it is it is madness this is sick ugly twisted breathtaking hypocrisy It's mad. It is now it is the single biggest United gift that Donald, that the Democratic candidate Joe Biden, assuming it's Joe Biden, is going to get. He'll never get the scrutiny that Donald Trump gets. He's always going to get a pass. They're always going to do the bludgeoning of Trump for the Democrats, the extreme radical Democratic Socialist Party. You know, why do I, why did I announce yesterday that I'm releasing this book, Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink. Live Free or America Dies in Latin. Why? Because I wanted to write another book 10 years later? Not really. But I, I'm, I'm putting this all together in writing on purpose, a distinct purpose, because there's got to be some way to get truth out to people. Now, we saw this all with Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine, impeach, 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 impeach. We see the double standard. It doesn't matter that they're all wrong. They protected Hillary. They protected the deep state. It has been a deep dive to get to the truth. They were all wrong in the mob, in the Democratic Party, and the Adam shifts of the world. We were right. We ended up being right. In many ways, I didn't think any of this could happen in the United States of America. And guess what? It all happened. It all happened. You know, now we're... Adam Schiff, you want to talk about a new low? Adam Schiff saying 50,000 Americans are dead because Trump wasn't impeached. Now, Nancy Pelosi literally saying, well, Trump didn't do enough to stop travel from China. I'm like, what? Nobody approved of Trump's travel ban 10 days after the first coronavirus case in the U.S. Nobody. They called him racist, xenophobic, hysterical, a fear-monger, and everything in between. And Schiff, well, if only... His timeline is off because all of this happened. If it wasn't Trump making this important decision 10 days early, quarantining for the first time in 50 years, subsequent travel bans while they're impeaching this guy. It's unbelievable. And Joe Biden comes in two months, three days late. Oh, I think I agree with the travel ban. You can't make it up. Um, We are living through times where up is down, down is up, black is white, white is black, pink is purple, purple is pink. Look at this, this whole issue of Tara Reid. Been more than a month, Tara Reid publicly accusing Joe Biden of sexual assault. Now, you probably wouldn't even know anything about this story if you relied on, as I guess some people still do. Not as many as they used to. ABC, CBS, fake news, CNN Conspiracy uh, TV, uh, the Conspiracy Channel, MSDNC, you know, uh, NDC. In other words, Democratic Socialist Party, all of these shows, because since March 25th, those networks either completely ignored or barely mentioned the scandal. Even after Reed's story was significantly bolstered, when the, frankly a pretty haunting call from her mother to Larry King in 1993 about her daughter came in. On top of her brother, on top of her best friend, who b- happens to be a conservative Trump supporter, I'm told. On top of a neighbor that's a big Biden supporter. Now, if you go back to all that we knew in the case of Professor Ford in the Kavanaugh case, remember, where Where are all the I-believers? They're non-existent. Nobody. You have this pass given to any uh, female Mentioned as a possible running mate for, for Joe Biden, they they were on the Sunday shows this Sunday. It's all out there. One of the big differences between her and, for example, in the in the Kavanaugh case, she had corroborating witnesses, many of them, corroborating evidence. She even filed a a police report, and now her mother's call, and now a neighbor's corroboration. When Christine Blasey Ford made allegations against. Brett Kavanaugh, no corroborating evidence, no corroborating witnesses, never filed a police report. The mob demanded, we believe, every word she said. They demanded Kavanaugh step down. No due process, no presumption of innocence. Some demanding, we believe, even the other insane allegations by the Avenatti person, what was her name, Julie Swetnick, and her story changed. Almost every other weekend, these kids, Kavanaugh included, they would spike the punch Take the girls up into a room, line up in the halls, and basically rape every other weekend. Well, then it became while he was near the punch bowl, he was holding a red solo cup. He was in the hall, but he wasn't lined up in the hall. Those are people's names and reputations. New York Times, Washington Post, these are lying, slander machines. They don't care, as I've been pointing out in recent days. Lengthy stories, investigating the charges, ABC, NBC, nothing. But they don't get it right. They don't want to. They don't want to go there. You know, it's um, these are incredible times we're living in. In 189 days, there's a lot at stake for this country. A lot. You know, I look through, for example, my uh, ongoing battle with the uh, fake news New York Times. You know, there it's and it it's very interesting to me. If you get a fact wrong, you're supposed to correct it. Make a retraction. If it's stamming and wrong and libelous uh, with a blatant disregard for the truth, then that would be cause for apology. It's supposed to be a professional paper. If you use the logic of the New York Times, if I were to be them and their logic, um, I wonder if any Americans that read the New York Times read on February 5th who says it's not safe to travel to China. If they took the New York Times' advice, if they believed what they were saying that, oh, maybe it's not that bad an idea, and they went to Wuhan province, I don't know if it would have worked out well for them. Based on how they interpret things, you could definitely go out there and say, you know, pretty much what they said about beloved bar owner, skeptical about the virus. Well, beloved New York Times reader, uh, skeptical about the travel ban uh traveled to china and then what happened they took the they took the flight that's how sick they are let's call it trump virus if you're feeling awful you know who to blame all of that and this is the this is the environment we live in you know it's funny if they cared about truth if they cared about who said what when and where um it would be very interesting to put my timeline up against them we've covered it extensively January 27th, first known case of Corona, January 21st. That's six days later. I had Anthony Fauci on this show. The next day I had a panel of three physicians. I asked the president for the Super Bowl interview, February 2nd. I asked Fauci again in another interview uh, about the coronavirus, including the issue of asymptomatic transmission. All this, by the way, disclosed to The New York Times and went through how we have to take it seriously. We should take the virus seriously. I said it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, you have another idiot at the New York Times, this person attacking me. I fundamentally don't understand the panic. Incident of the disease has declined. That was February 27th before this apparently wonderful person, Mr. Joyce, took a cruise. If they cared about truth, they would tell it, but they've got an agenda. They would care about the stupidity of the mayor of New York telling New Yorkers to get out on the town March 2nd. Or saying in March 10th, we want to encourage that if you're under 50 and healthy, which is most New Yorkers, there's little threat here. And, and this with this disease, even if you get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. Transmission, not easy. I said that March 10th. Transmission, not that easy. Go out on the town. Governor Cuomo, well, he had to admit his timeline is atrocious too. March 1st, no reason for undue anxiety. General risk remains low in New York. March 2nd, he said, We have the best healthcare system in the world. And excuse our arrogance as New Yorkers, and I speak for the mayor on this one. We think we have the best healthcare system on the planet right here in New York. So when you're saying what happened in other countries versus what's happened here, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. And you know what? There was a lot of lying by China. Even Dr. Fauci, who I think is an amazing human being, even he said the risk is still low on February 29th. He said March 9th, if you're a healthy young person, no reason if you want to go on a cruise ship, go on a cruise ship. I don't think any of that was good advice, but I also think that we were all lied to. Lied to. It's, the problem is bigger than that, and it's about The truth. The problem is, is this unholy alliance that we'll be dealing with, and it's going to get worse the next 189 days. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, We have an amazing Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel. Uh, Now the exculpatory evidence for General Flynn. When does he get set free? We have an update in terms of all of this tonight at 9 on Hannity, on the Fox News Channel, also reopening the country how did Florida and South Dakota do so well, especially Florida? Governor Ron DeSantis, Governor Kristi Nome. Uh, then we have the media mob, their utter silence and protection of Joe Biden as it relates to Tara Reid. We'll get into all of that and the deep state exposed and John Durham's investigation deepening and in new personnel. Nine Eastern tonight. See you then. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.